the New Zealand Tech Podcast. Brought to you by Gorilla Technology. Proactive and strategic IT. Greetings and welcome along to the New Zealand Tech Podcast. I'm your host, Paul Spain, and with me in the studio today, Tim Warren from Ambit AI. How are you, Tim? Very good. Nice to meet you. Great to have you on the show. Now, maybe you can fill listeners in where you fit into this big wide world of tech in New Zealand and startups and the like. Yeah, sure. I'm, uh, well, as you mentioned, Tim Warren. I'm co founder and chief operating officer of a company called Ambit AI, and we, we build conversational intelligence, so digital humans. Cool. Well, I'm looking forward to delving into that uh, later on the show and, and just you know hearing a little bit about you know where, where you're at and um, mm-hmm. you know what sort of things you've been working on. Uh, but first up, uh, thank you to our show partners, Sumo Logic, Vodafone, Spark, Vocus, HP and Samsung. And it's these companies that are getting behind the uh, tech community in New Zealand and uh, one of the things that they, they do to support the tech community uh, is support the show. So um, thanks for that support. Now let's, uh, let's jump into the news. This... There's always, um, I guess, new things that pop up each week that you know I'm never, uh, never quite, quite expecting. Uh, one of the, the headlines that caught my attention was uh, Google and their photos um, not being quite as private as they should have been. Photos and videos from people ending up. Uh, uh, getting seen by the wrong people this was a bit of a surprise to me i mean you Mm. would kind of think a company of the scale of of google i mean any of these you know the really really big tech firms that they would you know really have security sort of you know locked down around um you know what data people would uh would see Mm. um but not quite the case for a period last year in november uh, over four four days, uh, people who requested um, via Google a, a download your data uh, export, um, if that included Google Photos uh, content, then it was quite uh, possible that they missed actually downloading all of their stuff and they may have da- ended up downloading somebody else's, else's photos and videos. It reminds me of that thing uh, a couple of years ago where people found that their own photos were being used on Facebook ads. Yes, yeah. And then they found that they'd, they'd given their photos and, and they were owned by Facebook. So, yep, <laughs> you've got to be pretty cautious of those terms and conditions. Yeah, I mean, it's it, look, it's, uh, the, the, there's, I guess, a few aspects to this. Um, you know, one is with all these free consumer mm. services that over time we become more and more trusting in terms of what, Mm. goes into them uh, I think you know, people who have had uh, photos where they're not wearing too much onto you know <laughs> their devices have sometimes found those compromise where the people mm. have got to you know their their in a Apple uh, account or what mm. have you uh, but yeah this is a, another case that I guess suggests caution around Something that you might not want somebody else to see oh, in look, terms I think of so. you know yeah. where, where you put it. Um, but I mean, this obviously is a is a yeah not a, not a good not a good look. No, for, not, for, a, not a good look, and uh, it really makes you think. You know, with with Google and 
and other companies making a, a push for enterprise security type products and email you know when when do you trust them have you got a separate enterprise um, account or is it just shuffled away an account with everyone else's you know you, you don't really know mm. that's it's, yeah it's it's challenging and look you know I think also it should make us think within you know organizations businesses and enterprises mm. and you know, not-for-profits and so on, that we can't be too too relaxed either, right? Mm. And um, yeah, always got to take responsibility. And I I love that phrase uh, I heard just a while back. Said if if you're not paying, you're the product, and you got to remember that. So if if you're getting to use Facebook and a lot of Google, especially Gmail and Photos, is all free. They're monetizing you, so you got to work out what that is, and it, it's data, right? So. Uh, but it's very hard for the for the average person to even interpret. Uh, uh, I mean, even you and me would would struggle to get through twenty, thirty pages of privacy statements, and you end up hitting okay because you want to use the convenience of it. But it, I guess there's 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 that reminder of the less that you pay for something mm. or you trade for something, then you've got to be missing out on something compared to mm. say the you know enterprise class software or cloud mm. service that you're paying big bucks for not not that the the, the rule always applies cuz mistakes still you know still happen at at the top end mm. but where things are being given away for for free yeah uh, also, look there, there, there's going to be you know a little bit less effort that goes into making sure that that those mm. things are a private, possibly, um, you know, than those sort of enterprise systems where you, know, you can imagine if this had happened to Google or Microsoft or Amazon, uh, you know, on on something that was real, you know, business yeah, yeah. Uh, data that that should have been completely, you know, it wasn't an, a fault with the client, but with um, you know the the, the cloud mm. provider, you um, do imagine that. Maybe uh, you know Microsoft because they started in, in the corporate world, they might have a different approach to it. There's a saying: there's the three things you can't build into uh, into software if you don't put it in right at the beginning. You can't retrofit uh, is logging, security, and privacy. And uh, with Google started off as a very different company, and they've rotated into managing uh, enterprise data essentially. And uh, you know, I'm, I'm sure they've put some very good efforts with some good people in there but if, you, if you're not baked in from day one it's very hard to go and retrofit that stuff Well I, I imagine Google would probably um, share a different viewpoint on it but um, yeah. Oh, you yeah, should, Maybe you no, should get them in here <laughs> next time and they can talk through it Well it's not the first time that's been suggested so mm. um, yeah, we've, I, I had, have chatted with them recently so um, mm. yeah we might look at inviting them on the on the show and not to beat them up but uh, no no um, but we've got to yeah, learn you've got to learn from these companies as well and, and I'm sure actually the people there are genuinely trying to do the right job but it's a massive company mm. with massive responsibility and the measure is uh, maybe how they respond to this kind of a thing yeah yeah and and look I mean um, yeah it sounded like they they, they closed up the loophole um, it did take you know more than two months for it to mm. um, for people to get alerted which is is kind of you know kind of interesting it would mm. be, you know yeah I'd be curious to know 
you know, why it took that long. Did they know it initially and then, you know, they, they someone was, was maybe doing a damage assessment, right? Trying to work yeah. out, you know, what was going on. Have we really closed the loophole and so on? Uh, but yeah, not, not an easy position to be in. And I think the reality is that it's you know it's really really hard to get everything right 100% of the time mm. and i don't think you look at any any business and no. say you know they're perfect all all the time there's always one you know yeah. one or a hundred or a million shortcomings depending on the size of your you know your organization in, <laughs> yeah. in, in some form um, you know it's always that that work uh, towards per- perfection but the the consequences can be uh, can be um, pretty big now News has come through that um, Amazon founder Jeff Bezos has committed $10 billion to um, try and address or fight uh, climate change. Mm. Now, this caught my attention, I guess for a few reasons, but I mean, it's just a staggering... Mm. Good it's headline, a isn't staggering it? amount of money, isn't yeah. it? I Maybe mean, you should, that's what you should call this one. $10 billion committed to <laughs> clickbait, right? <laughs> yep, could do, could do. Um, <laughs> Follows the tradition of people making a lot of money um, through a, an accumulation part of their life. And then maybe having maybe approaching life in a different way, and then redistributing. Um, it's what Andrew Carnegie did, you know, hundred years ago. Yeah, and yeah. it's um, you know, you find a bigger cause. And but I guess the the bit that's pleasing to me is that we're we're seeing this become a lot more normal within the tech world, where mm. some really really big you know big money is is made. You know, thinking of the Gates Foundation, mm. and and yeah, you're right. It's not just you know, it's not just those making a lot of money from tech, but it seems to be that a pretty large chunk now mm. of those biggest earners have have you know tech as being the the enabler for that huge earning, and mm. and you know, I think it is it's pleasing to see that. Yeah, they're they're giving it to good good causes. Yeah, that's right. Yeah. I think uh, really important as part of that is to look back and say actually how are we managing our business and making sure that you're acting with the best approaches throughout the business because it's a pretty large business these days. So uh, you can have a outsized impact by at least looking after your own backyard. Yeah, and and that certainly got its got its challenges. I think for uh, for Amazon and mm. and you know a lot a lot of other. You know, companies of 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 scale. Um, you know, I think Google and Microsoft and and Facebook. Uh, you know, all come to mind in terms of their some of their own internal, you know, battles and 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 challenges they've had mm. in terms of, you know, what does doing good look like? How do you run a business that's, you know, that's good, sustainable, and, and um, there I think there you know there are so many aspects to to that and. You know, if you've got a bunch of people within your organisation saying you shouldn't do, you know, X, and I, you know, think um, looking at the at the US where, you know, AI facial recognition is is mm. being used by governments, and there's quite a big sort of pushback, yeah, yeah against that. Um, but you know, I, I guess on on yeah on that front, you could sort of argue from different perspectives, right? Well, if Governments don't have mm. access to this stuff, and other governments like China do, and just go to, you know, a massive degree. You know, I think yeah. there, there, there is a way to use these technologies in an appropriate and responsible place. And yeah, is it uh, who who makes those decisions? It's that's not always a, a 
an, e- an easy one. No, very difficult. I also think there's a bit of a philosophical thing in it as well. It's like, do you need to act in one way, you know, wait till later in your life and, and then spend it out? Or can you actually operate businesses in, a, in an alternative way where you can do good through the life of the business or through the life of the founder or whoever it might be without waiting till some set point. You know, you don't have to have, you know, $300 billion before you give away 10. Mm, but I guess some sometimes there's a, yeah, as you say, there's that sort of point in time where somebody, you know, somebody gets it mm. and, yeah, they that's, you know, whatever their their life's <laughs> journey is, they've got to that point where yep, they've clicked they've and realised, yeah. hold on, yeah, <laughs> it's not all about me or whatever. No. Um, although you tend to think they must have some some balance to have got to that level, but, mm. uh, yeah, I guess it's, it's different strokes for different folks. Now, one of the things I do like that tech has enabled around uh, giving and donating, giving back, um, are these crowdfunding platforms mm. where you know, people can jump on and, you know, hear somebody's story, you know, jump in and, mm. and, and help them out in a in a reasonably um in a reasonably easy way. And often on a you know somewhat sort of micro basis, sometimes it's giving a dollar, sometimes it's giving a hundred dollars or mm. you know, a thousand dollars and you and you look and you sort of see that, you know, sometimes the the averages are quite high for what get given to people with sort mm. of certain um needs. But it's um you know, I guess there's that that immediate connection to the wallet you know heartstrings get pulled you hear a story hey i could help with this and yeah through an online platform now money money gets given Mm. now i guess you you know some might argue well what about the people that aren't you know aren't getting crowdfunded for and yep i you know i I get that, but I mean, you can't help something you don't necessarily know about it. Yeah, look, I think some people some people are aware of it. They leap into that area and they uh, they make the most of it. And it's a really interesting platform. I've I've participated in a handful. Uh, a couple of them have worked. A couple of them haven't worked quite so well. But uh, you get something out of it that's not just financial or not just the return. You get a little bit of fun. Uh, and it's a little bit like, be it, you know, like a, a flutter on on the, the mm. horse at the races. But uh, I think it's a useful funding model where you're essentially saying, yes, actually, we would support it. So it's got this market validation aspect to it as well. If you're selling um, some new brand of chocolate and there's something unique about it, whatever it is, and you can get five thousand people supporting it, you know, there's a reasonable market there. If you can't, if you can't get a couple of hundred, mm. then maybe you mm. need to reconsider that brand. You know. So, but it's it's seen and enabled the rise of these single product companies. You know, where all they do is they make one toothbrush, yeah, and they send you a toothbrush a month, yeah. And it's 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 quite curious. I I don't know if that is actually a sustainable business model, but uh, if you're doing something quite well, yep. Kickstarter um, can be very effective. And and one of the greatest success stories out of Kickstarter was Oculus Rift, where they raised million dollars and. They got this this headset working, this VR headset working, and and within a couple of years, it got the attention of Mark Zuckerberg, who bought it for two billion. Yeah. So yeah. you know that's a pretty good outcome, <laughs> and that we didn't have these opportunities before. No, no. I yeah. think I think it's really cool. Now, I think most listeners will have will have heard cause be a fair bit of media coverage around it uh, in Australia with fundraising. Um, to do with the the fires there, mm. um, Celeste um, Barber did this you know, 
incredible online fundraise through um, through Facebook, and I think he ended up with something like fifty two million Australian uh, dollars donated. But it, this is one of the cases where it's not quite clear how mm. it, how it will pan out. <laughs> because the Facebook platform allows you, this is my understanding of it anyway, to nominate you know, one party that the funds go to. And mm. so she made whatever commitment around, hey, how, you know, money's going to be spent for equipment, it's going to be you know, used to um, support varying sort of organisations, you know, widows of firefighters who, you know, who, who died battling things and um, you know helping out a, 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 a broad of variety of causes yeah. right mm. um, but the funds are um, going to the uh, I think it's the New South Wales Rural Fire Service and Brigade, Brigades Donation Fund mm. which annually normally gets you know, less than a million dollars can you imagine Um and their trust deed says what they can do with the funds, which right. is basically buying some equipment for their their area. It's a lot of firefighting, um, and so that sort of leaves it leaves a little 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 bit of a challenge. So but, you know, sometimes these tools aren't quite yeah. maybe used right, the right fit. And I mean, she probably just oh, thought it's all done for oh, the right we, reason, we, right? We're gonna you know we're gonna yeah. raise half a million, and all sorts of people sort of jump jumped on board, and uh, now these sort of lawyers. You know, trying to figure out well, how do we how do we make this work? I have this natural distrust of of platforms simply for giving. Yeah. I, there's something about those that seems to invite people to maybe use it for the wrong reasons. And I was turned off it uh, in an example where I donated some money to someone who had some health issues um, through one of those platforms, and then I found they had some left over, and they bought themselves a car, <laughs> and it didn't really ring true for me. Yeah, uh, yeah. So, yeah, so that, that's how I felt. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Yes, so um, it's interesting. So, you know, I guess it's, you know, do what you're comfortable with. I, you know, I think it's great that we can, you know, quickly you know, jump on board and, and, and support things, mm. but... You know, sometimes, yeah, particularly read, if it's a lot of money, read the fine print. Doesn't really make so much difference if it's you know a small amount for you, mm. but if you're putting in, you know, a, a large chunk, mm. you want to know that it's going to get you know used used appropriately, which yeah. um, which is a little bit up up in the air how um, how that fifty. See how it goes. Maybe check in on that in the next episode. Go. So um, yeah, we'll, we'll we'll see what the outcome is. Um, now. Headline uh, came came through saying that uh, Uber Grocery, which is a mm. service that Uber are offering in uh, in Australia at the moment, um, may well be coming to New Zealand in the not too not too distant future. I need they're, that. They're I was totally out of food last night, so yeah, <laughs> it would be pretty handy, wouldn't it? Because yeah. the the supermarkets they get up to to a particular extent mm. at the they're moment. They're not very good at delivery, so. You know, they, I guess their their service, they're trying to be competitive with each other. Mm. Uh, they're trying to keep the costs down, but they're paying somebody basically to run around and, and, and pick up your groceries. Mm. And if you're ordering through them, um, and this was something, I you know, we, I talked a bit to, to Chris Quinn uh, about um, with, with foodstuffs, and 
yeah, that, I mean, that's that's quite a lot of work. Yeah, and I think if I mean if if I'm going to place one of those orders to make it work, and and I haven't um, generally done that. I know we have done here at the office. Mm. Um, you'd usually put in a reasonable sort of size order because there's there's some sort of premium. Yeah, you don't just do it for the toothpaste, and, right? And so on. Not, no, mm. not usually. And they're not geared up for those quick deliveries. So they work it into their day and, you know, efficiently they have some people that go around and collect those and then they can either put them in the lockers and you can go and, you know, pick, pick them up yourself mm. or you can, you know, have them have them delivered. Um, and, and that stuff, I think, you know the processes are, you know, improving and it's and it's good. But the Uber model, um, and I think there, there's been a small partnership in New Zealand uh, that they've had with, um, uh, I think, the night night and day uh, stores and um, possibly um, one or two others in terms of. Um, uh, you know, petrol station type mm. convenience uh, stores, and so you can go in through Uber, and, and I think it's it's mostly sort of snacks. I don't think there's there's too much else on there, but yeah, you can pay you know I don't know four times the normal price for a you know <laughs> supermarket price for a bag of chips. Or not a, selling it to me, you know, <laughs> whatever, whatever it is, yeah. but you can get that thing quickly. But you know, and I'm not sure there's been much demand for that, but yeah. this. Gap is what you you know you're talking about. Oh, I need you know a few items to to. Cook you know, what someone or, said to me a couple of weeks you know, ago. One how about Uber missing. drinks? Yeah, yeah, know? yeah. Well, we've had and we've had a level of that with um, deliveries, and we've you know we I think we've talked through with a founder of of a firm that was doing that in Auckland prior mm. you know prior to Uber's arrival that had partnered with. Um, uh, well, they they had a model where they could go and buy anything from a store and 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 deliver it, and there are a few of these services mm. in the US, uh, and they also had partnerships with restaurants and um, and I, I'm trying to trying to remember the name. I don't know if we'll come. Mm, back I know to what you're talking about. But there yeah. were two firms that launched. The first one, from what it looked like, got knocked off by the second one, which had a had a young sort of 16, 17 year old founder. Um, who raised a chunk of money, um, but neither of those actually ended up lasting. Uh, it's lasting very nominal margins long. in the whole business, right? So it's an end to end. If, if hardly anyone is making margin, it means you rely on volume, and it's very hard to scale up a business like that. Mm. The businesses that do it, you know, Uber, the way it's been funded is by massive amounts of capital that can be dumped in so they can compete at. Uh, loss-making prices, and they they push out competition. And then what happens on the other side of that is uh, once once competition is gone, then they start easing the prices back up. But very hard to kick them off. Yeah, and I think you know we've seen probably a little little bit of that with with ride-sharing prices in New Zealand that have mm. you know appear to have sort of edged edged their way you know up up a little bit. Mm. Um, so yeah, I think I mean this one's going to be interesting to watch, but I think there is. You know, potentially an opportunity for that. I I don't know how much of an opportunity. The thing with Uber is that they already have the drivers though, and they've got the you know the Uber Eats piece. That's mm. infrastructure is key with this stuff, working. right? Yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, so yeah, I can, I can see it being useful and filling a gap that mm. the the supermarkets themselves um, you know don't cover. And it sounds like they do charge some sort of picking fee to cover the person that has to run around the. The supermarket. What I noticed actually in Philippines with um, with Uber Eats is when you order from Uber Eats, the the driver appears from what I the way it looked to me is the store doesn't necessarily have to have a direct relationship with 
Uber Eats in a mm. traditional sense that the payment goes to them. Right. Um, this this was my view of it anyway. It looked it looked like what was happening was the driver went to the the restaurant, the driver placed the order, the driver stayed there and waited at that right. store until the food was ready, and then they brought it to you. They gave you the just the standard receipt for the food. It wasn't. Yeah. And and you were paying for that plus the yeah, you know the, the 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 Uber I think that was with actually no that wouldn't have been um, and did I say Singapore or Philippines I was talking Philippines yeah um, and it wasn't Uber because Uber are no longer in the in the market so it right. was um, um, you know whoever it is that's providing that service there right um, but some you know somewhat different from what we're used to so th- I think there's a lot of sort of experimentation and, and different yeah, models keep going rotating on around and, until and and you find something that works right yeah mm. yeah so anyway inter- interesting would you times. would you use it would you you know pick up get five deliveries five grocery items delivered for you know a, a healthy <laughs> premium um I think some sometimes I would, mm. yeah. Uh, I mean, I don't live too far from the supermarket, so it's it's sort of you know you work it in and somebody goes to the goes to the supermarket. But yeah. then I then I do you you know use Uber Eats um, a fair a fair bit. Mm. So there's you know I'm already using that style of of service mm. and it just hasn't been available. Yeah. Um, and I yeah I think it's fair to say one you know once or twice I have looked for. Oh, I need, you know, need we need some, you know, butter or milk or something. It's like, can someone just deliver it? Um, and and there hasn't really been an option. Yeah. So yeah. Watch the space, eh? Yeah. Um, now the uh, coronavirus situation. Mm. This seems to be, uh, con- you know, really continuously uh, moving or COVID nineteen as it's called. Uh, and there's another name for it as well, isn't there? Can you know? Can you remember the other name? Uh, novel Sorry, coronavirus. On, I think I'm, it I'm was. Putting, yeah. putting you on the spot. I think, I think people pick all the names and they're just yeah. applying it uh, all one. You know, COVID nineteen novel coronavirus. It's yeah, run just run it, we run know it what they mean, it. though. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> um, yeah the, I guess a couple of couple of um, things here, and we've talked talked about a little little bit before over the, you know, over the last uh, last few weeks. Mm. Was one was around uh, the masks that are being worn in, mm. in China, and that that yeah potentially actually has an impact on their mass surveillance systems. Oh, that's an interesting. I hadn't, hadn't thought really of that. Really fascinating. Yeah, uh, because here you've got the you know the country with with you know the most yeah intense. Um, well, they're putting it to effect in you in know, Hong Kong, right? Yeah. Um, surveillance and and then oh that doesn't work so well. <laughs> so you'll see clear face masks is what you'll see. It'll be the the full screen, you know. <laughs> well, I guess my hope is that it doesn't doesn't trigger your know, governments to to then you know up their surveillance in other areas of devices and, mm. and other things because we have seen a little bit of that in China where you know software's been put onto devices and right. so on um, I think more to be able to access and download what's on them rather than necessarily provide you know long long term ongoing that said there's surveillance. some fascinating epidemiological stuff that you can do with uh, the movements of mobiles right so if you're trying to track 
a the outbreak of something and you know more or less where it started you can you can if you've got the recordings of where people were at what time you can probably find that out in an incredibly efficient way i i think there'll be some studies you know where people do some mass data analysis and can probably say oh look, we could have we could have um, found where that point of origin was yeah and i mean and there has been you know i think some you know, there was there was a map, you know, online mm. that was sort of showing where. So is it good as a bad? You know, I'm being tracked. However, it can help us do this, and you know. Yeah, well, there's there's a balance to these things, yeah. right? And and you know, I guess it's yeah, we we want these we want uh, technology to be used in ways that are you know for the better good rather than uh, yeah. you know yeah. for 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 uh, the the good of a. Um, um, over-the-top uh, controlling government, shall we say. <laughs> and we'll leave it at that. Yeah. Um, now, the other the other uh, thing around coronavirus, there were, um, I, I guess, talk of this, this um, being or having created the biggest work-from-home experiment mm. ever. Yeah, it's an interesting thought, that one. Yeah, it's... Uh, We've had, uh, unfortunately, a, a couple of examples of that in, in New Zealand where we've had some some events which have uh, caused people to do that. And it's very hard to plan these experiments, but when they happen naturally is when you get to put it to the test. And I think you'll find really positive results out of it where a lot of business was able to carry on relatively uninterrupted. It changes the flow of it, um, changes the way people work a little bit, but it's probably best that we can respond like this it was very different, um, you know, 20 years ago. It would have been very difficult. You didn't have data mobility like you do now. Mm. Yeah, agreed. And, look, it's it's not always the ideal in every scenario, but there are, there are certainly, um, you know, some situations in, in which, you know, people be able to work from all sorts of locations mm. works well. Um, yeah, organisations who, who work with distributed workforces, you know, today that continues to, uh, to increase, but... Then you've also got other people where it, you know it does it doesn't really work and doesn't mm. doesn't work yet and it and it and it may never um, you know in, entirely work and and so you know I noticed, noticed in China talked to uh, one organisation where basically you know all their staff were were doing their best to uh, to mm. work from home. Um, someone went out and uh, you know caught the train or the or the subway and found that it was. Yeah, ninety percent empty. You know, compared to usually being completely, completely full. Yeah, that that you know that tide will will start changing. But yeah, really, really interesting uh, experiment. Telcos would be would be getting a lot of value out of this time at the moment. You know, if you're if you're providing those data services to people on the move, on the go, either working from home or in other areas, when you when it's in the one device. It's on the phone, or you can share that data into your into your laptop. That's incredibly powerful. And having you know, you would remember what it was like traveling, trying to find internet before free, freely available Wi-Fi, um, freely available data. Um, I think that telcos can really help with that. So I'm sure there'll be some great case studies coming out of it. Yeah, and I think it also has shown some limits. So the feedback I got was that internet for a lot of people in China ground to ground to quite a halt. Right. And sometimes this was tied into where there was data being shared or content being shared mm. that the Chinese government weren't 
you know maybe too pleased about, right. and so maybe they were throttling things to mm. to try and uh, slow 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 that down. I guess a, a you know an electronic virus in a in a, in a sense that they yeah, were tr- yeah. you know trying to stop the the spread of possibly. Uh, so there there was that comment that came back that yeah there there was there was some of that, but it seemed it seemed to be that a lot of gaming has been going on. Uh, in China, people you know stuck in their homes, <laughs> working I, from home. What do it I do? Could I've be quite got, an experiment. You know, I've yeah. got some work to do. But well, rather be actually, stuck in your home in, in yeah. Wuhan than than on that um, on that ship. You know, imagine what it would be like being stuck on a on a cruise ship, unable to leave, um, unable to see family or get any support, and you're pretty dependent on on the s- systems and services around you, right? Yeah, pretty yeah, terrible. Yeah. Yes, so. Lot, I mean, yeah. So there's a lot, a lot going on as far as this is concerned. Uh, Mobile World Congress in Barcelona, which you know mm. usually be happening uh, over the next few days, has has been uh, uh, canned, which was um, probably not too unexpected after we started hearing about the organisations that would be that would be pulling out, and mm. then the main ones who were continuing to come were. Chinese firms, and you know there'd probably be some travel travel challenges, some two way issues, right? There, yeah. um, but whether it's the right thing to do, I'm, don't I'm, know with things outside, you know, um, China or affected yeah. areas. I mean, the, the Chinese Grand Prix, for instance, has been, or they've they've said it's delayed. It, it may return, it may not, um, and that's possibly pretty valid. I think you'd be particularly worried about the um, the Olympics. I imagine they'll go ahead. But um, you could be concerned about that if you're preparing for that, because that's something you prepare for for a long time. And if that's ups- if that's impacted, that would be pretty bad. Yeah, well, I mean, it's it seems to be impacting all sorts, and certainly a lot of the the technology events I've been looking at that are that are coming up. There's either been cancellations, or there have been you know quite big, well-known brands. Um, so one I read about today was IBM, you know, pulling out of an, an event, and mm. you know a player like that pulling out can can make quite an impact yep. on the on the success of of an event, especially if it's mm. you know if there's a number of those. Interestingly, the uh, looking at the chart of of infections daily, it it peaked and then started declining from uh, the day that essentially mass media got hold of the story when when the actual controls really started coming in. Now with the accuracy of the data we don't know uh, but it could be that it's having the right effect so fingers crossed on that one yeah look let, let's let, let's hope so and uh, you know if technology you know helps educate and helps bring about a good outcome and mm. people can keep working from home then um, hey you know that's good it's good when tech has a has a good impact yeah it's uh, does it doesn't always quite line up like that um now look, sort of somewhat somewhat closer to uh closer to home uh taika waititi mm. uh he uh he did all right uh with his first oscar uh last week yeah he's quite nervous i haven't seen that in him before it was uh, he, i think he fell asleep in his first time he attended the event and, and this time he's definitely awake but he was a little bit lost for words so. yes um but there was a, a comment that uh that 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 came uh came back when he was um uh talking about things and um you know i don't quite quite know uh 
how it uh, how it came about, but uh, he ended up doing a, a, a little bit of a rant about uh, Apple uh, <laughs> and keyboards. Now, I've been working on um, on and off on the new um, MacBook Pro um, 16 that uh, Apple launched late last year mm. um, as one of the um, many devices I've, I've been using. I've been trying out the HP uh, Dragonfly, which... Um, has has gone back to them, and since they've announced a new one of those, that's their sort of super, you know, slim, sleek, sub one kilo mm. uh, laptop, which was was pretty fantastic, gotta say. Um, they sent me a pretty pretty high end one with a terabyte SSD and um, LTE and whatnot. Uh, but yeah, very nice device, very nice to travel with because just so light. Mm. Um, getting getting back to um, Apple, some of the comments I saw were well, um, any any. He went on to say that you know they that that the, um, uh, the Apple keyboards being basically impossible to write on and that they've you know gotten worse. Um, and he's well, saying it's good enough for an Oscar, it, but it makes him want to go back to a PC. <laughs> but yeah, clearly still you know still using a Mac. Now what I don't yeah. know is if he's tried the you know the latest and the greatest and the newest keyboard. Now they don't have a lot of um, travel, a, a, it, a lot of it? travel mm. in them. But I I mean I have no problem. You know, mm-hmm. using them at all, but certainly it's different from the you know the old days of the big, chunky you know yeah. typewriter type. Made a noise. Uh, Do you, you think know, he's looking for a keyboards. sponsorship, Paul? <laughs> <laughs> maybe Apple going to pick him up. So, you know, well they're making their own content now, so maybe they they could spin that in. But yeah. no, it's, um, no, it's interesting talking about the big issues. I guess really um, <laughs> he was, uh, and you know how those things can happen. You're on stage in the spotlight before you know it. You're yeah. talking about the travel of an of an Apple key on a yeah. keyboard. <laughs> Uh, yeah. <laughs> well, I'm, I'm sure. Uh, yeah, it, it, uh, it maybe gave him some some attention from uh, uh, that. Maybe he was he was looking for. Um, mm. I don't know. But uh, yeah, look, I, yeah, I think we 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 do get um, you know quite focused on the the technology that we enjoy and the minutiae, right? <laughs> yeah. yeah, absolutely. But. It's going to keep changing. That's the mm. you know that's the that's the kind of the given right with this stuff. Clearly, so, we've found his touch yeah. point on that stuff. Yeah. <laughs> so mm. he didn't make any comments about the the USB C ports, which mm. the, the you know the MacBooks have got. Um, You've got a few dongles more, with more, that, have more, you? more than uh, anything. Well, interesting on that on that fact um, with dongles and dock and USB C monitors. Mm. Um, I've been doing a, a little bit of research. I've been trying to get together a um a good piece for the podcast to talk about and we've been sort of slowly trying out a, quite a range of devices um that provide that kind of docking capability mm. and now it's both mac and and windows where USB-C is kind of the the universal port so you can plug into in theory any any of these docks or or mm. USB-C monitors and charge and get an ethernet connection and get mm. a display and you know all the bits and pieces that you need but it's got it's got a little bit more um complex and it it seems as though with some of the ch- changes Apple Apple made with uh, Mac OS Catalina, that there's some challenges with some devices because right. of their of the I time. think a 64 bit requirement. Mm. And so I've been yeah reading about people who say my USB C dock no longer works properly on the <laughs> Mac. And um, I was uh, been in touch with HP about 
trying out this incredible uh, monitor that they showed off when I was with them in uh, in Tokyo um, late last year where they launched the Dragonfly. And it's this 43-inch super wide screen curve mm. in it. You can either have one device plugged into it and get sort of you know 4K wide image yeah. by 1200. It's about 4000 by 1200 roughly or 3840, whatever. Um, or you can actually plug in two devices and um, use it and, as two and, screens, and, and yeah, use it use it as two screens. It's basically like you know two mm. um, slightly, you know, I think slightly bigger than full HD uh, monitors, and you know, and it's got all other cool things in it, like a you know pop up um, uh, full HD webcam, which is you know better than just about any you know any laptop. Um, it's got the facial recognition piece for logging into Windows if you, mm. you know you were used to do that with Windows Hello and so on. It's pretty cool. And I'm just curious, like, okay, how's this going to work with, with, with the Mac? Mac? Mm. And all the material was like, oh, you know, works with Windows and Linux and Mac and you know Chrome and oh, this is great and or Chromebooks. And um, then I in one of the bits of documentation there was a sort of little star and mm. it says Apple doesn't provide drivers for the Ethernet, so your network connection for Mac and one other thing, I can't remember what it was, but it, it, it usually tends to be you know, for docking, mm. I want to be able to get that, you know, that gigabit uh, Ethernet connection. You know, connection. There, yeah. that, that's quite an important part. Oh, that's frustrating, um, isn't it? Quite an important part. So there's something going on there. And uh, if any listeners have, have really delved into that and, and have anything to share, I'd, I'd certainly love to, uh, uh, love to hear from you. But it is, um, yeah, it's a, it's, a, it's a little area that, uh, um, yeah, has had me uh, scratching my head a, lo- mm. a little bit. And, well, they're um, straddling two OSs, and they've still got the Lightning port as well on their phones, right? So there's a a little bit a little bit more collapsing onto the same standard would be handy. You know what they say about the standard: if you don't like it, just wait till the next one. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> well, I think we're going to have you know USB C in some form for a little little while to come. Mm, I think so. Um, but uh, you know, I don't, I don't know how much they'll be able to. Uh, extend it, you know, with with Thunderbolt three. I think you know it's it's pretty impressive in terms mm. of what can what can go go through that port. Um, but I'll I'll chat more about that monitor once I actually uh, see it and have a chance to mm. uh, to, to to try it out. So anyway, that was um, that was a little a little uh, local story. And then oh, the other thing uh, of of local relevance, I suppose. Um, was the story that sort of got got picked up uh, internationally around, uh, um, and we've got a lot of this stuff going on in New Zealand. Um, but it's it, the next web um, was one of the international publications that picked it up. Um, was titled "New Zealand's First AI Police Officer Reports for Duty." The Kiwi copper will chat with visitors and police personnel at the forces HQ in Wellington. Um, now I haven't chatted to this particular, um, um, you know, I guess virtual um, police officer, but mm. I've certainly you know tried out some of the stuff, and I think Tim, we can delve into into Ambit shortly and, and hear a little yeah. bit about um, your role with with sort of the behind the scenes chat with that stuff. But mm. I think it, look, it's it's pleasing to me that we're we're seeing um, our organisations. You know, both private and you know, 
public entities that aren't sort of you know sitting back and waiting for technology to be you know absolutely perfect and and fully developed but mm. actually uh you know experimenting to take a lead. and uh yeah and 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 trying you know trying these things out mm. um you know it varies in terms of how you know how useful some of the technology is i suppose mm. um and in terms of you know my interactions with them but um you know i think over time the 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 you know the Role will uh, will increase, mm. and um, yeah, there's 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 a place there's for a sort place of for digital humans, eh? Yeah, I th- I think so. Mm. I think so. Um, some might well disagree with me. Um, now, oh, but, but before we jet, uh, jump into chat about um, Ambit, um, I've been using Amazon Echoes and mm. and and Google Home sort of in varying form for. Uh, I guess the you know the Amazon Alexa uh, stuff. Uh, I guess since they you know they were they were first sort of released initially mm. in the US market, and then you know they've started to become available in New Zealand over the the last uh, year or so. Um, wanted to mention a couple of devices I tried out. Uh, we've been trying out the the um, the Echo Dot with mm. the clock that came out uh, locally last Cute year. One, isn't it? Um, it? It's really cool because it mm. just looks like the standard Echo um, Dot, but you know, once it's lit up, it'll show a clock, and then there's certain other things that it will display as well. So you've got a timer. You can have the timer might be counting down on there. It's just d- dynamically adjusts. Um, you know, you ask about the the weather or temperature, and mm. uh, you know, I think it shows that. Um, yeah, so and we've got them sort of you know scattered around a little bit, different ones in in, in different mm. rooms at at, at at different times. Um, there's that one. Um, there's the uh, round one with the uh, little you know round display on it. Yeah. Uh, it has a camera and 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 whatnot, which is is cool. Um, and then they've also got their uh, Echo, uh, I think it's called Echo Plus uh, as well, uh, which is kind of a mid-size mm. compared to the original sort of taller one. Um, you you've been using the um, the latest Echo Show, the, the very Echo Show one, Five, yeah. which has kind of got a. Um, I guess it looks like a. Um, it's a small touchscreen, basically, isn't yeah, it? Yeah, they've all got. If they've got a full blown screen, mm. um, then it's a. It's got to be touch, touch screen, days, yeah. right? No, absolutely. I went out looking for one of those Echo Dots with uh, with an LED display on it. I thought that'd be quite cool, and uh, I went to Noel Leeming and chatted with the person there who was really awesome, and he said, "Like, have you heard about this? It's the Echo Show, and they had a." A hell of a good special on. Um, it was ended up being a similar price, and it's it's uh, yeah, it's it's the full Amazon Alexa experience with a screen. So you can say, "Show me pictures of elephants," and and what do you know, elephants pop up, or it can you can say, "Show me my photo album." You can do all the same things that you can do through voice, but you get this added thing of the visual component, which you realise becomes very useful if you've got a bunch of options. Yeah, because voice is yeah. good. You know, if if you ask me a question, I and I and there's seventeen answers. You'd probably throw me out of the of, out of the podcast booth if I started reading out all those seventeen answers. Yeah. Um, but a screen's a good place to show a lot of information, and so when there's a handful of things to show, popping it up on the screen works well. Yep, and you can get um, you know with music, you can get um, the lyrics, uh, you know, come, coming lyrics, up on the, the screen, controls up on screen. So, yeah, that's yeah, right. It's, it's it's nice. So yeah, I think. Um, yeah, Amazon are doing a pretty good job with their with their Echo devices. Mm. Um, one of on the um, on the Google front, 
uh, I tried out uh, for a little while the JBL LinkView smart display, mm. which is JBL speakers. Snappy title, isn't and, it? Uh, yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, and 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 then um, you know Google Assistant sort of built in mm. touchscreen, and you know once once it was set up, um, you know before I knew it, there's all these photos flying across the screen, and you know my son's looking, going, "Oh, what's that?" And you know it just you know basically you know I'd linked it to my account, and it was you know I'd probably be giving it okay to do a slideshow yeah. and just pulling out all these random photos and gives and, you some interesting privacy concerns nice. though you know um, yeah so yeah. you want to be you know you want to you know again think through what you're putting into your mm. uh into your into your uh, yeah. google uh photos collection and yeah. so on so uh yeah Definitely. you know whether it's taking a photo of of a you know confidential document for work onto your device and mm. then get synced up to you know synced up to a cloud just things that are in your calendar you know like if you've um if you've got a uh, a job interview or something like that, you know, you don't necessarily want that Amazon device at, uh, at your existing employer, maybe. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, Tell me, what's yeah, in your calendar? Little, little, little bit of wisdom to some yeah. of these things, yeah. Um, so, look, I think, you know, it's good good to see that um, that developing and, and that now, look, we're all going New Zealand and there was, mm. I mean, for the majority of time these things have been available, they weren't, you know, fully operational in New Zealand. Um, but, you know, here we are, and uh, yeah, I mean, there are just so many things you can, you know, you can do with them from, you know, setting little little timers. Seems of fun. to be great for parenting. With. Um, oh, kids! You know, set bedtime timer five minutes. You know, <laughs> and it's five minutes before bedtime, or you set it in advance. And it's so nice that it's it's not me that's saying, yeah, hey, it's, it's time Alexa. to go to bed. It's the technology. The thing I quite like is at the other end of the day, at the beginning, so what the show does, because it's got the screen, it's quite bright, it starts um, turning on the display slowly and make it brighter and brighter yep. in the room. Um, but I had a little misstep um, with it. I said to, um, I said, Alexa, uh, wake me up in the morning at 6.30 to forest sounds. Oh, that sounds nice. So I, was, I thought, oh, that's... Yeah, that'll be a good be, one and so yeah. I, I drift off to sleep birds singing and what was <laughs> that, that was my idea yeah anyway yeah. so in the morning 6.30am I was waking up to what I think was a forest being cut down <laughs> <laughs> collection of chainsaws um, it really was something out of the, the, the parts of the Amazon that we don't want to lose and uh, so that was a little bit of a learning um, experience. I have to maybe test the alarm sounds before I do that. <laughs> That's brilliant. Yeah. Oh, classic. Okay. Um, so on to on to your world, and you know, tell tell listeners who ha- aren't familiar with Ambit AI mm. how long you've been around. What do you you know? What are you doing? What what uh, you yeah. know? Where are you at in the sort of in your startup journey? Yeah, we kicked off almost exactly three years ago, actually, with three co-founders: myself uh, and a technical co-founder, and and our CEO. So uh, Josh and Gareth joined me, and and for a, a number of months, it was an idea, and we went out and we started testing this idea. The idea was that people want to get things done; they can get it done efficiently. The most popular apps in the world are all messaging apps. So if, if people are moving to messaging and people want to message businesses and a quarter of all Facebook Messenger messages are with a business. So really? Yeah, it's really misunderstood. That, that's a, a major, small and big business platform. I had someone the other day saying, man, when we put something out on Facebook, uh, we get 
we get all these people contacting us through Messenger. You know, can't we just turn the channel off? I said, no, listen to them. So that's the problem we were looking to solve. So essentially, think of it as customer service at scale. So we create a human conversation, uh, a human type experience, but we're automated, which means that if you've got a if you've got a, an issue and you want to contact some brand that you've interacted with and ask them a question or return something. Uh, you, yes, you're uh, you're talking, or, or more particularly texting a computer, a robot of ours sitting off in the cloud. But there's no wait time. It's de- it's dealt with really quickly. It's very efficient, etc. And I like that efficiency thing because I think anybody listening to this who uses the telephone mm. uh, will have experienced spending a lot of time. You know, yeah. on hold or waiting for somebody to on go hold something up, right? All yeah. those things, and so yeah. By if you can get the result from, um, you know, an artificially intelligent, um, you know, bot that mm. can, you can chat with, yeah, um, that's that, that, that's pretty good. How mm. how do you how do you find those things that are the right the use fit cases for for an organisation mm. to? To take advantage, because I think a lot of organisations, you know, they don't want to be, um, you know, missing out on the advantages of the technology. Yeah. But trying to work out, well, where is this going to be helpful to our customers and well, helpful to us, yeah. isn't, isn't you know always obvious immediately. Well, the best thing to do to get started that's a that's a question is to start small and then learn rapidly, right? So you don't want to plan how to create the ultimate digital employee and spend three years rolling it out the technology changes in that time you want to choose one small thing and so the things that work are if you pick something within your organization where you're dealing with a high volume but where the marginal value that's being delivered through that is relatively small like for instance a lot of companies uh, a lot of shops for instance they've got opening hours there's not a lot of value add with a person telling a person on the phone or through a text message what their shop opening hours. That's a good area to automate. So there's a handful of questions, and it's like the 80-20 thing. 80% of the questions are usually highly automatable. 20% of them are going to be best dealt with by people. And you don't want to confuse those. You don't want to force people through some really convoluted AI process when a human would be better at it. If it's complex, put a person on it. They do a great job, and they like it more. Yep. So within customer service... We've got a um, one of our uh, one of our clients is Glassons, and Glassons had the problem that uh, they had a good problem. They were they're a very successful business, and they were growing fast. And as a result, they had a lot of uh, inquiry coming into customer service, and they said to us, "How can we de- deal with this in an efficient way?" So we worked through with them to work out what are the questions that people are asking. It was particularly for their online business. So, how much is postage? When will my parcel arrive? You know, can I exchange this? That kind of thing. So those those few questions made up the vast majority of, of what was coming into customer service, and it's people on the phones, and it's not very exciting stuff to answer. And then alternatively, they're asking the opening hours of stores, that kind of thing. You know, what's the location? What's my nearest store? So we built that for them and launched that. And as a result, the people on the team uh, they're, they're thrilled because they don't have to deal with those areas anymore now some people still come through but a lot of people go through to the uh to the to the digital employee but the people on the team are able to help with the complex ones now there's a couple of unexpected or originally unplanned benefits there's no wait time if you're talking Mm. with the Mm. digital employee it's called charlie 
and you go straight through and it immediately helps you and it's always there any time of day or night. Yep. The other thing is the people that do go through to the phone call, there's not much wait time for them either because you've, ta- you've moved, you've volume shifted into a different channel. And so people like it. They actually come back to it. Yeah, and it does cool things, you know, like if you order something, say you, say you order a couple of shirts one day, then you, you go back the next day, hey, when's my order arriving? And it can say, oh, is that the couple of shirts that you ordered? You know, it can, so it can remember you. It's almost like having a personal shopping assistant. Yeah. You know? Oh, that's cool. Well, I'm, you know, I'm very keen to see uh, how it progresses. But, mm. yeah, it seems as though the, you know, the business has moved, you know, quite, quite quickly for you. Yep. Um, I was in uh, the new Noel Leeming uh, store in um, Auckland's Broadway, yeah, mm. uh, new market, and um, you know, I have I lack patience with these things. I'm always curious to try the technology, mm. but you you partnered with because um, yeah. you've done the sort of chat behind the scenes, and then there's what was uh, a great the Kiwi fa- story the Facebe, actually. Uh, uh, technology they've they've rebranded, haven't they? Yeah, they're called Unique now. So That's Unique right. created the digital avatar, the visual side. Yep. Uh, we worked with a company called uh, Jade Software, another great New Zealand um, tech company, and they built the conversations and the, some of the integrations around it. Mm. And then we're the platform behind it that's powering it. So some people refer to us as, as the brain or the the, um, the underlying infrastructure for making that work. Nice. But it's very much a combination of uh, of companies there, working with Noel Eaming, a, a good New Zealand company, which is part of the part of the warehouse group. Yeah, no. It, I mean, it, it's just cool to cool to see these things mm. happening, and uh, yeah, I wish you all the best. And, yeah, no, uh, thank you, you know, we'll we'll look forward to seeing where where to from uh, from here. Um, for listeners, if there are any that are within um, organisations that are interested in this stuff, mm. how do they you know how do they get in touch, and and what are the platforms that your technology is sort of you know relevant. Too, you you mentioned yep. Facebook, so you can tie into sort of Facebook yeah, Messenger, Facebook. So if, if you're working, if you've got a company and it's a, it's got any aspect of customer service at scale, mm. where the where the company to talk with. Uh, so good examples are retail, uh, telcos, utilities, etc. We've got a lot of customers asking you know high volume of questions. Mm. That's where we work. The best way to find me is actually through LinkedIn. Okay. So if, if, if search me there. Um, Tim Warren on yeah, LinkedIn. Yeah, Tim Warren on LinkedIn. It's pretty easy to find me and uh, and just connect through and, and get started that way. A lot of our inquiries come through that. Excellent. Mm. Oh, that's great. Thanks, everyone, for listening in. Uh, that's us for this week on the New Zealand Tech Podcast. We'll be back again next week. Uh, you can now find us on LinkedIn. That's our sort of newest channel. Right. Um, although I, uh, we we do get chat messages through um, through Facebook, so um, you can you can always uh, try that channel, um, and you can you can email me uh, directly as well paul.spain at nztechpodcast.com will get to me so um, yeah pretty pretty easy to track down uh, if you've got anything you'd like to feedback from uh, from the show and uh, look it's always appreciated if you enjoyed listening um, you know please share the show uh, with a friend or a colleague alright thanks everyone catch you next week see ya the New Zealand Tech Podcast brought to you by Gorilla Technology Proactive and strategic IT.